Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome Success Secret Nation to this episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host Hussein Talib. In this episode, we are going to be talking with my guest Andre Minkoff about trademarks. Is it something that is necessary for your business or is it something that you can postpone for later on? So Andre is, a found, is the founder and CEO of Trademark Factory the only firm in the world that offers trademark registration services with guaranteed results for a guaranteed budget. Andre's career in intellectual property began when he fought a Russian radio station that stole his father's music. Since then, Andre has written multiple books in intellectual property, one an international bestseller. So Andre, welcome to the Success Secret podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that you are here with us. So first of all, because this is the Success Secret Podcast, I want you, because you have your business, you support businesses, you help businesses, what do you think success is and how you define success? Success to me is uh, seeing how your decisions and actions uh, bring you closer to your goals. So this um, this can be money, this can be certain accomplishments, this can be uh, recognition. Usually it's a combination of all three. Uh, you know, freedom also part of it. Uh, but uh, I, I find that really, to me, it's how it translates from the founder, the, the owner's decisions and actions uh, towards what's what's actually happening. Like all the people we hire uh, to to get us there, the team, uh, all the uh, offers that we come up with, all of the strategic strategical decisions we make, uh, to see when that comes, when it stops being a dream and becomes a reality, that's what success is to me. So now you are in your business helping other businesses, right? But the way you started this business, you are like basically running now from what I spoke about early in the intro a minute ago. So what is the story behind your business? What happened with the Russian radio station? And what happened with your father in this issue? Yeah, so that was many, many years ago, almost 30 years ago. Uh, I lived in Russia and uh, my father was a famous Russian composer, Mark Minkov. And uh, one day he heard his song on the radio, uh, but instead of it just being played as a song, it was used as an ad for Samsung and he never gave them permission to do that. And I was then 
uh, still a law student going to my first law school uh, and really had no idea that I wanted to be a lawyer. I just thought that, you know, I had to be at some school, learn something. And I thought, why, why not law? And so he called the radio station uh, himself and said, you guys can't take my music and, uh, you know, just use it as you please. And they told him that, hey, we're making you more famous. So shut up, sit down and, uh, you know, be happy. And uh, he didn't like it at all. <laughs> right. So what he did is he, he said, OK, I'll see you in court. And uh, the funny thing back in the day was it was 1996. And so uh, this is when Russia just switched from the Soviet copyright laws toward free market copyright laws. So there really weren't a lot of lawyers with experience in the new laws. So he asked if I could help him as a law student. And I said, uh, sure, because, uh, you know, I, I've always admired him. I've always wanted to be uh, helpful and I will always wanted to get get his approval. And so I said, sure, I'll figure it out. And I built that plane as I flew it. And um, we, took, we took it to court. I lost the, uh, the first instance uh, after several uh, hearings. It's funny enough, the first hearing I show up, there's one lawyer showing up on the other side. And uh, we go really, really hard. And then they ask for a postponement. And so next time they had four lawyers <laughs> and it's just me on, on, on my end. Uh, anyway, so we lost the first case and then uh, I was sitting there in my room trying to figure out what happened. And I still remember it as if it was yesterday. My da dad came into my room and said, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I said all the right things. I did all the right things. Uh, I have no idea what to do. I said, well, if you're not going to appeal this decision, you should quit your law school and uh, find yourself a different profession. Uh, and I'm like, okay. So we appealed this. We lost the appeal. Uh, at that point, I'm already, you know, I'm already uh, um, all in. And so we appealed it even higher. We appealed it to one level below Supreme Court of Russia, pretty much as high as civil cases go in Russia. And we won. Uh, so the whole thing took a couple of years, but it was the precedent that I set, and I'm still very proud of that. And I got very, very uh, passionate about helping creators who create something that hadn't existed before protect that because, you know, they deserve to not have their stuff stolen from them. And so I've been helping my dad for many years, but also I was getting new clients and I was starting to work with big law firms and, uh, you know, did work for Apple, for Microsoft, for JK Rowling, for Google, for like, if you can think of a big client, I've probably done some work for them. And then uh, in 07, in 07, yeah, I uh, realized that I got tired of Russia and I wanted to go to a place that uh, respects intellectual property that respects freedom. And uh, I, I decided to leave Russia and I went to Canada. So I moved to Canada, uh, went to second law school there. And um, I was shocked when, after I finished my second law school, top of my class, uh, I got a grand total of zero offers to work at Canadian law firms. And uh, I'm like, okay, 
Now what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty stubborn guy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Um, okay. I'm going to build my own. And that's when I discovered Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I read it. And I'm like, if I can't start my own firm, knowing everything that I know uh, about law and how to, you know, uh, help people, maybe I shouldn't be a lawyer. Uh, so back in the day, I thought that, you know, knowing law is enough to build a successful business around law. Uh, so I started my firm. And the second book that I read was uh, Michael Gerber's E-Myth. We actually, we actually did uh, a couple of his trademarks uh, recently, and that was where the, the, the circle closed. But um, so I read his book, E-Myth, where he explains that it's not about you know how to do the thing, but you know how to build a successful business. And so very, very quickly, uh, that idea of a law firm where I'm the lawyer and, you know, being the, the smartest guy in the room, uh, transitioned for me running a business that's doing something scalable with a big team. Uh, and that's how Trademark Factory was born. And I was so scared to compete with all the existing law firms that I wanted to come up with something that nobody else in the world offered, which is uh, the offer that has uh, kept us afloat all these years, which is guaranteed trademark registration services that nobody else offers to this day. That's the story. Yeah, from what I understand, getting trademarks is like not 100% guaranteed for each name or slogan or something like that. So it's very tough. So what you're offering is an advantage. But my next question is like, would be, why did you name it the Trademark Factory? Right. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, because to me, I wanted to show that what we're giving clients is the result, not the process, right? When you order a gadget from a factory, you don't care how long it takes them to do something. You don't care how hard it was for their workers to manufacture the stuff. All you care about is, did they give you the stuff that you paid for? Right. And uh, that to me was uh, why why factory. So some people I say, well, do you see, you know, us as, you know, the the just the clothes of one another? Of course not. Like it's still a very personable experience because we actually give a damn about the, the 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 businesses and the brands. But we don't sell our time. We don't sell the process. We don't sell the labor pains. We'll sell the baby. We sell the results. And uh, that's what um, makes us very different from everyone else in this industry. Yeah, that's very impressive. Like, generally, when any human, when any of us want to buy something, they would usually think about the solution or the resolution at the end. Like, we don't like going through the process of things, whether it's a online course to learn something. It's like we're imagining we hopefully can download all the information in our brain or have the result at the end. So this is what you're basically doing. You're giving the results and basically removing the overwhelm of things that people think about when registering a business for a trademark. But now let's go to the, let's say, beginning. What is a trademark? Is it different from what copyright is and these kind of things? Yeah, so trademarks they're specifically designed to help businesses protect their brands, businesses and entrepreneurs, right? whether it's a business name or a logo or a tagline. Copyrights are for protecting works of art, 
like music, videos, photographs, images, software. So something, if you wrote a book, you can't trademark the book. Uh, you can't trademark the title of a series, but uh, generally copyright would protect the content of the book. Like if I put together a video, like what we're doing right now, right? This, this is being streamed, but it's also being recorded. So this video uh, has some content. It is protected by copyright. Uh, it's not protected by, by a trademark. There's also patents and patents protect inventions. So if you came up with a unique way to make a product or just a unique novel product, that's what you can uh, protect with a patent, right? So trademarks are very different in that regard. And trademarks are the only type of intellectual property out there out of all of them that in theory can last forever. So patents last 20 years from the date you file them and it takes about five, six years to get it. So you only get like 14 years of useful life out of them. Uh, co copyrights last the whole life of the author plus 50 or 70 years after he dies or she dies. Um, so it's still finite, but trademarks, as long as you keep renewing them every 10 years, they can last forever. Coca-Cola, has filed their first trademark in 1892. And they're still renewing that same trademark to this day, right? And to me, uh, I, I love telling the story about Coca-Cola because 1892, when they filed their first trademark, they were selling nine drinks a day. Like I call it a lemonade stand with a dream, right? These guys knew that even though back in the day, the, the value was very, very, very low, but they knew that if they were to become what they were hoping to become, the value of the brand will be the most valuable asset of their business. And so it's a lot easier for them to protect it early on, even though they probably didn't have the money to do it, uh, than, than to, than to uh, try to do it after they became popular. So, so you, you're mentioning this example of Coca-Cola, like now this name Coca-Cola, like it's known like almost, Maybe at least I think maybe ninety percent of the world population now would know what what Coca Cola is. I think I guess, but because in your example they did the trademark early on before they were this amazing drink that almost everybody uses or drinks. So do you think it's important to that to do that for any business from the beginning? Yeah, this is the the only exception where you don't want to get a trademark is for a business that you don't think is, is gonna be a long-term. So if you know that your business is gonna last less than a year, I would say don't bother about a trademark because the trademarking process is gonna take about a year and longer in some countries. So if by the time you get your trademark, you know your business is not gonna be around, don't waste your time and money. Uh, for every other case, I'd say, uh, it's a necessity. It's not a luxury, especially today where the competition is so high, pretty much in every industry, everyone wants to copy. Uh, and it's a lot easier to uh, make money when you copy someone's brand that's known to people. Right. So here's 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 how I see it. The, the second you come up with the idea for your brand, the value of that brand is really zero because nobody has heard about it right? Only you know, but it's it's just there, right? Uh, it, it has a potential, but the actual value is zero. Uh, 
but it's also at that point where your brand is the most registrable, where it's most trademarkable for the same reason. Nobody has seen it before. Nobody has copied it, right? So as long as you came up with something original enough, it should be registrable. And so from that point, uh, every day that goes by with you trying to promote that brand, you know, whether you're putting out content, whether you're going to networking events and say, hey, you know, I'm Bob, I, I run this ABC startup, right? Or you go on YouTube or you go on social media, or you do interviews like this, or you go to trade or whatever you do, uh, you put your brand out there. So the value of your brand goes up because more and more people know about it. So assuming you do something that people want, the value goes up, but the registrability goes down because with more and more people knowing about your brand, the risk goes up that someone is just gonna steal your brand or even come up with something similar because trademarks don't, and that's a big misconception that I see with a lot of people. Uh, trademarks don't only protect identical marks, they protect similar marks. So uh, if I were to start a software company and call it micro-soft uh, software solutions, right? It's not identical to Microsoft, uh, but guess how long it will be before I hear from their lawyers? <laughs> it's not going to be long. Uh, and that's because they've, they've got their, their trademark. So it's going back to this idea, right? The value goes up, registrability goes down. So... Ideally, you want to file your trademark while this gap is still very small, because if the value is high and if you haven't registered your trademark, like imagine this, imagine imagine uh, that uh, Elon Musk is an, is an idiot, right? And imagine that uh, he's got his Tesla not trademarked. Anyone can go up there and trademark Tesla. Uh, like imagine being able to do that uh, and uh, being able to uh, basically keep keep the name hostage and demand money from Elon Musk. Well, you know, he'd pay a lot of money for it, right? And uh, you don't want to be in that situation when your ability to promote the brand is not in your hands, but it's someone else's hands. So while I was still in Russia, uh, I was actually part of a, a big lawsuit uh, that Starbucks was involved in. Uh, they wanted to come to Russia back in the day, and someone else had trademarked their brand. They didn't bother to tra trademark their brand in Russian. So someone else beat them to it. And not only did they just register that trademark, they uh, wanted to make it look legit. So they opened the cafe, one of one cafe, called it Starbucks, and said, we got a trademark. And Starbucks spent, uh, I think, seven years trying to fight this in court. They spent multiple six figures on lawyers uh, to try to, to, to win. But it's not even the, the six figures on lawyers. That was, to, to them, that was, that was uh, not as painful. The most painful thing was that they couldn't sell a single cup of coffee in Russia for seven years. Yeah, so so, so to, to get this picture, like, so each individual country, the US, Canada, Russia, China, you have to file like trademarks in each individual country or is it just one 
in the US and that's it for with the I don't know what's called, I forgot what they are called. But do we have to like register each trademark in each individual country or there is something called like would be a global trademark for the brand? Yeah, this is a great question. So there's no such thing as a global trademark. Uh, you do have to get your trademark on a per country basis. There, There is a system, it's called Madrid uh, Protocol, uh, kind of an international treaty that makes it easier for you to file for your trademark in multiple countries at the same time. But in the end of the day, uh, you still don't get a global trademark. You still get a collection of multiple trademarks in all those countries that you say you want to go for. And we have uh, four rules of thumb uh, that we usually recommend our clients to do this. Uh, you always start with your home country. Uh, always start where, where the business is. Uh, because it gives you the ability to actually use that international system to uh, to file your trademark in other countries with a six months grace period, right? So you always start at home. Second, you look at countries where you ex expect to make a lot of business from, where you expect to have a lot of revenue from. Uh, to me, the magic number is about thirty k uh, per year, right? If you like, if you're a Canadian business. Uh, and most of your sales are from the U.S., well, you got to get a U.S. trademark, right? If uh, most of your sales are from U.S. Uh, and you have maybe one client in Australia, uh, maybe you don't need a trademark in Australia. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's not a necessity, uh, right? The third, the third uh, category are countries where you have expenses. So if you have an office or if you target your your Facebook ads to a specific country. Uh, again, my magic number is 5K a year. If you spend more than 5K a year trying to target people from a specific country, get a trademark there. Uh, and lastly, if you make physical stuff uh, and you make it overseas, get a trademark there as well. Even if you don't plan to sell anything there, because here's the reason why. Let's say you make bikes. Uh, in China, right? And then they put them in a container and they ship them uh, so you can sell them in Canada and US, right? Here's the thing. Uh, if someone else gets that trademark in China, then they can prevent you from exporting your own bikes that you paid for from China to the US because the act of exportation uh, constitutes trademark infringement. Most people don't know this. Uh, and uh, that's, that's uh, again, as business people, we don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be taken hostages, right? And that's what happens. Like, imagine you have this container full of bikes, and then you got a demand letter from some Chinese firm that says, well, by the way, this is our trademark. And uh we hereby prevent, you know, forbid you from exporting your bikes uh, and you need to pay us the money. And uh, as a business owner, you're sitting, I don't know, you know, wherever you are, like in, I don't know, Austin, Texas, right? You're sitting there waiting for your bikes uh, <laughs> and you get this letter and you have to make a decision. What do I do? Do I, do I let those bikes just stay in China that I just paid all this money for? Uh, do I pay them? Like, do I go to court and fight? Like, what, what do I do? Right. And, big, and it's really no good decision there. There's no, there are no good options. The only good option was the one that you should have made 
before you had all those bikes made is you file that application first, then you go to the Chinese factory and say, can you make me my bikes? By the way, this brand is trademarked, so don't think anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but now the question becomes, why does it take so long in general to, to have a trademark? Why does it take a short period of time? So, for example, if someone applies for a trademark, for example, in the US or Canada or whatever, if the name is not used except for this one person or certain people and there is no name similar to it, it's not recognizable. Why does it take a, a long time to, you mentioned to about 12 months, about that time frame, right? Why is the process and, and how your business like can guarantee it to at least get, I saw from your website, like 99% success rate in that, I guess, right? 99.3%. Yeah, we're very... Um, so uh, the, in the US, yeah, it takes about a year. In Canada, it's almost four years now, so it's a disgrace. Uh, and really, where you ask me why it takes so long, the answer is very simple. Anything that the government touches is very inefficient, uh, right? Um, they've got government people, they've got government processes, uh, and they don't really care all that much about efficiency. USPTO is as at least trying to do something about it. Canada. Uh, is still blaming COVID uh, for uh, for why it takes so long. Because uh, it used to be, Canada was about 18 months. U.S. used to be about, you know, uh, 9 to 12 months. And so now Canada is close to 48 months. And so, yeah, they're, they're still blaming COVID. Uh, but uh, it's it's because there's a human who has to look at all those applications that people file. There are 70,000 trademark up. And here, by the way, here's another reason why you want to file your trademark early on. So in Canada, there's 70,000 trademark applications filed every year. In US, there's 700,000 trademark applications filed every year. Uh, and uh, in China, it's 7 million. So if you look at U.S. numbers, if you look at U.S. numbers, forget China, uh, because China files everything and like this has different bills. But you like think about U.S. That's almost two thousand trademarks per day, right? And that's eighty trademarks an hour. That's more than a trademark per minute. So while we're on this interview. Right. While someone may be listening to this interview, someone else might be trademarking your brand right now. Uh, and, you know, it, it it sounds like I'm fear mongering and trying to scare people into, you know, buying trademarking services. But uh, it's all fear mongering until it becomes your horror story. And we've we've done trademarks for thousands and thousands of clients. And a lot of them come to us and say, you know, I've been running this business for this long. Now if I, I'm finally ready to trademark my brand and they buy our service. And the first thing we do, that's the first step that we do for all of our clients is we do a comprehensive trademark search to determine whether the brand is even trademarkable. Because I mean, we're not suicidal. We're not gonna give 100% money back guarantee on something that cannot be done, right? We're not magicians. Uh, so uh, we do the search and uh, oftentimes we go back to them and say, you know what? Seems like a great brand, but there's someone else who filed for a sim similar trademark five months ago. You you, you you're not going to get this trademark, 
Yeah, so but but for example, what happens if that one gets rejected? It could get rejected, yes. Uh, but again, we evaluate all of that stuff, right? And we we see what the likelihood is of us being successful. Uh, and um, again, there's if if the other one gets rejected, it has to be justified. Like, why would it be rejected? It can only be rejected if there's an earlier trademark out there, or if there if their application is poorly done, or if they chose a brand that's not trademarkable at all, like a generic name, like I can't trademark, you know, the word phone, if I want to trademark, if I want to sell phones, right? Uh, but uh, like Apple can trademark Apple because they're not selling apples, right? Uh, so th this is... Uh, uh, that that that's why it's so important because again you I can't count the number of times we had to tell a client hey you got to go back to the drawing board and come up with something else and like well but I I spent so much money building this I, you know I got this website I got the packaging I got this I got that. like yes <laughs> and right it's it it's 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 a sad story I can we we hate to be the bearers of bad news but. Uh, the sooner you find out that the brand you came up with is something you can't have, the sooner you can fix it. The sooner you can come back and come up with something. One of our clients said it best. I, I, I keep quoting him because I think it's genius. said, if you're married to a brand you can't have, get a divorce. <laughs> you know? uh, and and uh, it's, it's, it's painful. It's sad. But you want to make sure like owning a brand today is more important than sort of kind of having the brand. Because the, the word that you came up with, nobody cares about until you become known enough under that brand, right? But you being able to stop others, that's what matters. Really, you know, without a trademark, you don't own your brand. Uh, you don't even have a brand. What you have is a name or a, a, a logo or a, a you know an image a phrase that you want to be your brand but it only becomes a brand once you can legally stop others from uh using that same brand right or a similar brand the moment you can le legally stop others from using a similar brand that's when you have a brand and that's only can be that only can be done with a trademark uh, you mentioned something about 10 years and how it's usually the overall cost like you have and you're charged clients right certain amount for certain packages and there's of course the packages or the fees that are paid to the certain government of that country how much on average is that and what are for example the renewal fees that say so trademark get registered for 10 years and then you renew it every 10 years yes Okay, so let's start with renewal fees. Renewal fees are easy. Uh, they're a couple hundred bucks uh, times uh, the number of classes for which your trademark is registered. Uh, if you've been in business for 10 years under this brand, renewal cost is negligible, right? It's the last thing you're gonna think of. Um, now, filing fees are a little higher. They're in US right now, they're 350 bucks per class. Uh, if and class is basically they took all possible products and services that that exist in the world and they split them into 45 categories. They call them classes. There are 34 classes of physical products and 11 classes of services. 
So if, for example, you sell T-shirts and offer business coaching services, right? That'll be two classes. That'll be class 41 for education and class 25 for uh, apparel, right? So if that's your case, you'd be going for two classes times 350, so it's 700 bucks in government fees. That's what you're going to pay no matter how you do it, whether you file your trademark yourself, whether you use uh, one of those <clears throat> fake cheap uh, trademarking websites that promise to file your trademark for like $69, or whether you use us or whether you use the, the, the most expensive trademark law firm in the world, the government fees are the government fees. Now, as for our fees, what we do is so we have three packages. Uh, one of our packages are by far the most popular with, with our clients. <clears throat> it's called all-inclusive. It's 3K, uh, $29.95 to be exact. Uh, and uh, what it does, it covers everything from start to finish. You get unlimited attorney hours. So if something complicated happens in the middle of the process, it's my problem, not your problem. Uh, because every hour that we have to pay attorneys, our margin goes down and down and down. And oftentimes we have clients that we lose money on, but we still finish the finish the job and uh, you get the whole thing done for 3K or all of your money back in case it doesn't go through. And trust me, we don't like giving people their money back. So we try very, 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 very hard. That's how we get a 99.3% rate of success because that's, that's, uh, that's what it takes to give the, the the service that people would would uh, be happy with. The average success rate in the US is 51.7. Like out of all trademarks filed, half of them never make it. With us, it's 99.3. Yeah, this is like what I mentioned earlier. Like I, I saw that like about 50% don't get gets rejected. So this is uh, an important uh, thing to, to focus on. And as we talked about, the clients want actually the end result, which is getting the name, uh, the logo trademarked and getting things done with that. As a final takeaway, what would you say and how would you tell people to go about uh, their business and their branding? Um, so first of all, uh, if you think that your business is going to be around two, three, five, ten years from now, um, first thing you need to do is you need to come up with a brand because First, you work for the brand, and then your brand works for you. Uh, there's, guess how much selling Apple requires for you to go and buy their phone? Zero. You got people lining up at five in the morning without even knowing what the phone is, right? That's because of the brand. That's the power of the brand. And so the more well-known your brand is, the easier it is for you to sell, the easier it is for you to hire best people. Again, uh, when nobody knows who you are, it's very hard for you attract, to attract great talent. You have to overpay them. You have to convince them. If you're a well-known brand, much easier for you to get the best people and actually pay them below market because they want your name on the resume. So start building that brand early on. Come up with something that you can have, something that's trademarkable, and you do that by getting, by doing a proper search. And uh, assuming you found something that can be yours, yeah, take that leap of faith and invest and get that brand trademarked. Because in the worst case scenario, in the worst case scenario, so let's say you go with trademark factor, right? In the worst case scenario, 
you spend 3K. And uh, well, if you don't get your brand, you get your 3K back. But let's assume you spend your 3K, you get your trademark, but your business doesn't become as successful as you wanted. So you, you quit that business. You go to something else. You've spent 3K. You probably spend more than that on your phones and coffee and all, all the other BS that we, we all do, right? But in the best case scenario, you're going to own an asset that can be worth millions. And to me, it's a very simple, very simple, it's not even a gamble. It's, it's, it's an investment. Because again, think of Coca-Cola, how much they pay their lawyers back in the day. Well, who cares? Now their brand is worth $80 billion, just the brand itself. Not the factories, not the not the drinks, not the not the recipe, just the name and the logo, 80 billion bucks, right? If let's say they paid, I don't know, 10K to their lawyers, it's still the best return you could ever dream of because, because you 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 made something uh that was just an idea into something you can say that's mine. So my my recommendation is. If you're serious about your business, if you're serious about your brand, go to Trademark Factory and get yourself on a free call with one of our strategy advisors. Cost you nothing, right? Worst case scenario, you're going to ask a bunch of questions, uh, see what they're they're going to tell you. Whether you should start with your name, with your logo, in which country, how you know you could go about doing that. And if you feel there's not a good fit, well, that that's fine. There's you know there's no cost. Uh, and if you do feel that we're the company that you want to handle your trademarks, we'll be happy to help you get started. Awesome, awesome. So where can people get in touch, in touch with you, learn more about you, and where they can schedule this uh, consultation? Yeah, so you go to trademarkfactory.com, and it's all there. There's a big button. Uh, the other thing I can recommend is uh, I've published close to a thousand videos of free content on YouTube. Like if there's any question about trademarks, I've, I've answered it probably more than once. Uh, so if you go to YouTube and search for Trademark Factory, uh, you'll see a ton of my videos there. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Andy Minkoff, for being on this episode with me on the Success Secret Podcast, talking about businesses and trademarking. And it is a necessary thing to do to protect our uh, businesses. Thank you for being here to do with me. Thanks for having me, Zane.